What's up? Welcome back to Sir Mindsets episode 21. Today we are talking to Christina Lopez. She is the CEO and founder of a startup called PhytoCure. What they do is they help uh, help help against the fight of uh, curing dog cancer, to my knowledge, but I'm, I'm sure they have uh, a lot of other ideas in there. Christina is from Brazil, I believe, and she's a young global leader, part of the World Economic Forum, and quite recently they raised a Series A with some of the best investors in the world, including Andreessen Horowitz, Larry Poe, Amit's Fund, Tau Ventures, as well as uh, a lot, a lot of other notable people. But Christina, happy to have you here. Happy Wednesday, and uh, let's let's learn more about Phytocure. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Dan and Earl, for having me. It's very exciting. Definitely. You know, in your definition, what what does Phytocure do, and and uh, how did everything start? Yeah, no, great question. Uh, so Phytocure, we're really here to basically crush cancer in dogs. So cancer in dogs is actually the number one disease killer. So folks don't really know that. And um, it's really amazing because there's not much education. There's not, there's not many tools. Um, and so we're really here to change that. Where I, I would call us even more of a movement. You know, we're really a mission-driven company. And specifically, what we bring is a whole 21st century toolbox to the space, uh, more into precision medicine or personalized medicine. So the idea in oncology as a whole is that, you know, I'll speak from the dog's angle, but it goes the same with humans is, you know, your dog is unique, but sadly, so is the cancer. So we need to understand at a molecular level, at a deeper level, at the genomic level, what may be driving that cancer. So we have the tools for that. So we figured that out. So that's like kind of like step one. Um, and then we share our findings, our analysis with the clinician, usually a veterinarian, and uh, the pet parents, of course. And essentially from there, we also help enable a bunch of, uh, call it um, treatment options that are again, also from the 21st century, that have been proven for humans and are now coming back to the dog. And why am I saying back to the dog? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I actually just found out dog cancer was a thing, like, quite recently, and um, I absolutely don't like cancer, right? I've lost some good friends to cancer, and, uh, yeah, what you're doing is really incredible. But uh, what, so Phytocure, is, is that a guaranteed cure, or is it, like, a working like product how does it work or what's um, yeah no good question so um so you know it's cancer right so <laughs> there are no guarantees let's start there uh cancer is really multifactorial and so it can be you know the genetics it can be the environment the nutrition the uh immune system so there's so many factors we're going in at a pretty important uh space for dogs specifically because remember they were bred they're like inbred right so, um, you know, for cute reasons, we like them, we like the, mm -hmm. the retriever. However, we've sadly, in that process, bred in cancer genetically. Uh, so certain, certain breeds are, have a very high predisposition. And so uh, what we're trying to do is come in and uh, get more information, like really deep, deep information about what's driving the cancer and then help um, the clinician and the whole care team intervene in a much more, you know, kind of like precise or targeted way. 
So um, traditionally, cancer care has been chemo and radiation, which has its role. It's really important. But they're mainly kind of zap the good, the bad cells, zap everything. Where we work with this whole paradigm that's really taken off this century for humans, where you're trying to get just very much more specific, much more targeted um, at the cancer. And so, yeah, and, and you know what's interesting is all these therapies were tested on dogs. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so one of the radical things and that I'm so passionate about is actually shifting the dog from a subject mm-hmm. into a patient. Wow. And I think there's a trend in the world, not just the United States, but in the world of the dog really being, you know, from even best friend to really family member. I think COVID has just taken that like a whole whole next level. I think uh, we tried to adopt a dog the other day here near where we live. Um, I think to get on the waiting list, there's a hundred people for each dog for the waiting list. So so you're not even like, yeah. So um, there's, there are no pets. Uh, You can't, you know, COVID. (laughs) Um, So Anyways, um, so we want to, you know, we want to be there. We want to bring the best. We want to make it accessible. And we want to collect the data. And, uh, and we are. Yeah, good. So, Christina, I mean, good question, right? Like, I think our listener is curious, like, how did you even stumble on this problem set? Because I think, you know, even I, as someone who, who likes pets and dogs, and my, you know, my nine-year-old kid asked me about, like, when we're going to dog, like, almost every other day. Um, you know, how do you even think that, let's say, you know, cancer for pets specifically to dogs is a problem set that you are, you know, uh, you are keen to solve and even even if it was a problem to begin with, right? Because I don't think most people even know about that. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Um, I love. So first of all, I like love this kind of exactly that, like a big unmet need mm-hmm. for some reason. It's just not made a headline, you know, so I love that. And I love like things that are really meaningful to for, for our planet, for humanity, for for life. So that's my core interest. Let me just start there. Anything that kind of fits in that is always uh, like what I'm interested in, which is usually it doesn't have a story. It doesn't have a movement. And I'm like a movement creator in that context. So um, for me, uh, my co-founder, Ben Lewis, uh, is a veterinarian. He went to vet school. So that's really important because, yeah, as you totally said, it's not an obvious problem. It's obvious in the sense that when you start talking to people, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, my dad's dog, my neighbor, you know, and you start counting and it's like, oh, my God. Um, you know, folks are like, oh, yeah, that's a big thing now that I think of it. But they hadn't thought of it, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a headline. So uh, Ben went to vet school at Penn. He also did Wharton in healthcare and, you know, in, in like the first iteration of the company and, and basically what he was kind of coming up with and re- he really had the original idea was, wasn't in oncology, but was generally like, on one hand, we have, you know, pharma and R&D testing on animals and some of the data is meaningful. Some of it is absolutely not, doesn't translate to humans. And then on the other hand, you have, you know, the veterinary space, which sees all these patients, the animal patients, and doesn't have resources and doesn't have tools. You know, they're really like, you know, they're, they're lacking that kind of advancement that the human space has. So he was trying to solve almost a marketplace issue of like, can't we 
bring animals to help solve human R&D, you know, uh, problem, like questions. So it was very broad, very, very, very broad. Um, and the intent was to provide an opportunity for these animals as patients to have access to cutting edge, um, you know, tools. And so we started there and I was very intrigued just because from the very point that when he started talking about it, I was like, oh, this is huge and nobody's done anything about this. We're going to solve this. So I was kind of that like <laughs> energizer. Um, and so as we looked into it, oncology really rose as important. Um, one, we ourselves realized, I mean, we'd had dogs that died from cancer, but it wasn't very well diagnosed. You know, you never, you didn't really know what was going on. Um, but it's become better in that sense. And we were like, I was like, oh yeah, this is a huge problem. And moreover, uh, human oncology had already tested so much on dogs. So we could actually get already a data set, basically scrape all that it's called preclinical or animal studies and at least have a starting universe. Um, and moreover, we started to get to know the folks in the space called comparative oncology, which is actually looking at cancer across species. So uh, who knew that the elephant, you know, lives a long time, is under the sun, and actually has surprisingly a low cancer rate. And the reason why it has more protective mm. copies of a gene called P53 that we know, and there's like tons of work being done on that. Uh, and so, you know, the elephant has more protection. The human has less protection than the elephant, but the dog has even less. So just looking at this one gene, P53, you know, you can look across species. So we're, we live in that dialogue, you know, we look at like health and disease across species. And, so cancer has already um, a good mapping between what is homologous between humans and dogs. So dogs and humans actually are genetically more similar than we, they co-evolved together. So there's a lot of richness we can bring, basically lift from the human space and bring to the dog quickly, the metabolism, everything. So, so there's a lot we could do where, for example, I love cats also. And uh, cancer is also the number one killer, but the metabolism and so many things like we would have no data. It's just a much harder translation to do. So I hope that answered and it didn't go too <laughs> esoteric. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, it's extremely fascinating. I mean, uh, just to understand like the specific space and the relationship between, uh, I guess, you know, I guess pets, specifically dogs. And humans and that evolution is something I think most people don't even correlate, but that's true, right? I think, uh, you know, maybe the histories of the species kind of co-evolved, which is amazing, right? Um, yeah, dogs and, dogs and humans co-evolved for sure. I think the dog coming from wolf, you know, there's like very interesting studies and uh, yeah, it's like fascinating. Yeah, that's amazing. Having, having, you know, gone through like what, what made you want to start the company and like a little bit more context on it. I have it here that you went to the YC, you're part of YC, right? Back in 2018. Yeah. Um, just wanted to know how that accelerator program, uh, of course they gave you the funding, right? But did that at all change, uh, you know, what you wanted to do with the company originally or like how, how has that affected the uh, trajectory of um, what you guys had? 
So um, YC for us, for me as a founder, was like almost life changing. Was very transformative. Like very, I we for us it was very positive. And um, you have to understand, you know, I'm like a mother of two little kids. So I was like, oh my god, <laughs> it's at night. <laughs> you know, like how am I gonna do this? And literally, I coincidentally had a not pair come. I was like hello, goodbye, I'm out of here. And um, so it was very funny. And I was like very self-conscious, you know, because I kind of thought it's going to be like all these like young people in hoodies. And here I am, you know, worried like did my kid eat dinner and, you know. And actually I found a very incredible community of like-minded folks. Um, I think there's been a shift of, uh, you know, of folks really wanting to take a tech approach to really big problems in the world. And I think we're part of that because it's an unusual thing. We take a very tech approach to solve cancer in dogs and then maybe translate it back to people, but very wild and out there. Um, and we found lots of support. Um, we already arrived, you know, kind of thinking of PhytoCure, our key product. Um, but YC for sure, for sure helped us have just that, clarity of thought of like what is the most important critical next step and the next step that's critical such that the rest of the steps follow right because the one issue with startups as i'm sure you guys here know is you have it's like such a world of opportunity you know like for us like it took us a little bit to even hone into oncology we could have been doing you know cardiac and neuro and you know and like we weren't even like sure is it dog like maybe our actually first conversation was about actually cats um believe in diabetes and um and this other liver disease called Natch. Mm -hmm. and so it was so wide right um but the issue there is then you don't have the focus so you really need to get that focus um and yc is a really fantastic uh place for that i think you get out of it what you put in um so we were i was very present i loved it I had already had a similar journey, which is in the, y, uh, the Young Global Leaders community in the World Economic Forum at Davos. Um, so I would say YC was very similar as that to me, except for founders, you know, very founder centric. Mm. But that community of like, a, you know, a spirit gathering together um, to solve big problems and um what else should i say we only got into the funding world part of it it's only the last two weeks of the program actually so the whole first part is just you know what's your goal getting the the one-liner uh you know just all these like different things that organize your thinking and then just all the blocks that emerge and you have this forum that you can surface the blocks and you have just these incredible people now, I made a choice in the moment to just trust and believe. So I didn't walk in skeptical, or maybe I did for a minute, but then I was like, okay, I'm either going to be skeptical or not. Like, you got to make a choice here. So I went like, so then I went like all in, like whatever, you know, like, you know, say we had a potential partnership and we surfaced it. They're like, oh no, those are terrible terms. Scrap that. You know, I could have been like, well, no, should I really? I like really was no i'm in and um and it really was fantastic and actually i was the, i even had an internal kind of like bet like oh my god are they ever gonna get something wrong you know like they're just we're always right um and i think it's a factor also of um maybe the partner you have 
I had Dalton Caldwell and Diego Ray, and they were just amazing. Diego's a founder and now has his company again, and Dalton has been there forever. I think they have the advantage of the data. They record and like they keep like copious amounts of data. They just know the founder journey. You know, I think it's, it becomes pretty patent recognition, except that that world is not codified really, right? So I think they're the closest to making a roadmap in a journey that is not, you know, it's like you're just taking one step. So you have a community. So anyways, I'll stop here and... Um, yeah, that's that's a great answer. Yeah, so I mean, maybe it was like your first time fundraising, but but they really helped you with fundraising, right? And really like... Yeah, oh yeah. It's only the last two weeks, um, but lots of what you were doing kind of becomes then this very, you know, clean and short and poignant right. pitch. Um, and then they also just, they were very with us, like when we got a term sheet and negotiating terms and I was literally at a VC and texting with a partner, you know, who's like, get up right now. Just get up. Don't sign. Get up right now. Like very, um, they're like very tactical and very step-by-step with you. And it makes all the difference. Can we get into that? Cause uh, you have a, I mean, maybe, maybe this question is, I don't, I don't want to sound like too like introspective or whatever, but, uh, when, when you were like outside the door of Andreessen Horowitz, you know, right? Or one of those big funds. Were you nervous at all? Or like, were you excited? I mean, just going back to one of those days. Is that, how's I got invited to a reception there and I was, I went, but I was like, a hundred percent were so weird. <laughs> no way they're going to invest in us. Like, the, like it wasn't, it was like, there's no way, you know? So I actually didn't even go in like trying to do anything because I was like, like, you know, it, we're just, it's just too weird. Dog, you know. Like so, um, so I was actually trying to, like, promote some of, like, our cohort. And, you know, bio folk, like, we're in this bio world, right? Sometimes they're shyer and everything. I was like, oh, have you met, you know, so-and-so. Um, and so, you know, that that was what it was. And, and they told us after that in this kind of little cocktail that they said <laughs> to each other, they're just so weird it might work <laughs> i love it <laughs> yeah so maybe because yeah i mean what's your what's your advice i mean there's a lot of people that listen in i mean the the startup mindset uh, community um that that listen to us they're kind of a mix right like some of them are founders some of them are maybe some investors but a lot are people who are kind of on the fence right of starting a company but the most intimidating part is kind of this fundraising process so um, what's your what's your advice to people that are you know trying to go into this um, and stopping themselves from even starting because we're so scared about this fundraising process, right? And look, I totally understand because um, you know I didn't have any connections here really. You know, like we moved here um, at great expense in order to like be able to move the needle and be here here meaning Silicon Valley. So initially the idea, we had it in Brazil. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like, uh-huh. It was not going to fly there. <laughs> Definitely not. And then we moved uh, to Philly in the East Coast, which has a healthy like biomedical world, but we're like completely strange, completely. Um, but we had some initial support there, kind of non-governmental, like governmental, sorry, uh, economic, like supportive, like funds. 
Um, and but it, um, I I realize that you know when you're charting new territory, I really believe the community matters because things come up and they come up again, not in that codified way. You know, there's not a charted universe, so you need people you could quickly text or ask or you know you need to be in that and it, it, it makes all the difference i would say um so probably my first advice is uh at least apply to y combinator i think the application process that one-liner is very like there you can't put too many like words in it did you say like 23 and me for uh, the animals or what was it no, uh, I did. I actually, we actually did what like we are, which they usually think is tacky. But we, since we are really the first precision medicine for for dogs, oh, okay. Cancer, um, they don't like usually the first because usually <laughs> they're not really the first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are. Um, they were like okay with it. Um, so yeah, we we and oh, so just to give you this journey, right? Um, like. I went to a YGO event in San Francisco that happened to be in a building of a founder I knew. So I went to say hi to the founder. Someone in the founder's group said, hey, have you applied to Y Combinator? Maybe you should. And introduced me to his wife, who was actually part of YC in the bio world. And she loved the idea. We were super late. I never thought we'd like get it. I mean, I was like, I'm, I'll be honest. I didn't really know what it was. Like, I knew it had like a big name. And I thought of it as like fundraising. But I didn't really understand. Um, so we applied kind of late. And I think we got in the day began. Oh, my God. That yeah. was the funny thing. That say we went in for an interview. I think it was 11 a.m. And then it started that night. And, you know, I have little kids, so it's not like, you know. <laughs> and, oh, my co-founder is my husband. So to add on to it, you know, we, so it was very, like, unusual. Um, and so, but just to give you an idea, once uh, we got, like, excited about applying, I was at a Christmas party and just started chatting with someone, said, oh, I'm applying to YC, and somehow... He said, oh, I, went, I did YC for um, like gaming, you know, like betting on, on virtual games. So nothing to do with what we do. And he just out of, I literally did not know this person at all. And he was like, I remember it was a Christmas party and the applications that like were past due and you start in January, you know. He's like, look, I have to edit your application. Like you need this help and you just have to let me do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it made all the difference. He was brutal brutal and it was the best thing we would not have gotten in if this random guy that i met at a like at it, yeah. it was brutal he was literally the one-liner thing he's like you know you have to think uber everyone's private driver <laughs> when he said that it was like uh wow I, I mean you know again i just didn't like hadn't thought about that so he was very brutal um and he shared um, you know, his video, which made a difference because I think we were going to do something really lame. So, you know, just really helps. But that's that, that uh, conversations that, you know, this is not an MBA, you know what I mean? This is like all through channels. And um, so what I would say is, uh, I think just the application process to IC is, is even if you don't get in, I don't think it doesn't matter. I think it's a good rigor to get your thoughts in line um we applied to a bunch of stuff even in philly i think we won a warden thing like 
we're fans of applications and like just that's amazing like, yeah you know like uh -huh. just sit down and do it you know <laughs> and like uh and get up and pitch i mean it sounds easy it's not but it's a way to just get it, like get going and i think we had got a, a little bit of money and two two things in philly office space you know it's just the beginning right 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 yeah i love that um whole like or origin story and uh, even you know mentioning how well, you know having um you know you're maybe like your your doubts or like you're not sure that it's going to happen but it's still making it happen and i think it's just nobody really knows if they're going to get into something right but i think just putting the effort and not being scared of rejection or failure is, is a big part of the the life of a founder right but uh what would be cool would be to um uh maybe maybe we could talk about how uh is, has there been like a previous experience in your childhood or something that drew you to entrepreneurship i mean i know actually i wanted to shout you out because i read you had an english degree from yes i, I have an english degree too so you're you're, you're totally uh <laughs> list for sure um <laughs> a huge fan of the humanities I, I would love to talk about that actually so um maybe when you're applying to you're pitching um, a potential customer or a partnership or trying to do something big, but they see, you know, you have an English degree, you're not super technical, right? Would you say that you, you know, you have, well, I, I guess I don't know your background too well, but would you say that you have like a really good understanding of the sciences? And is, is that, no? Wow, bombshell. <laughs> no, so I don't have, um, like, uh, so in my space, you know, bio in the biology world, no no i'm a total crasher i love i kind of like it <laughs> um so i um i got really into it you know and i had been working in some projects in global health uh actually more like women's health reproductive health uh, i've been on the board of planned parenthood for the whole western hemisphere oh okay i wasn't okay. afraid of like controversy let's put it this way um and I was in the UN, the Commission for the Status of Women, and I was like really fighting to like get certain things into the body of work and all of that. <laughs> so um, I think, um, you know, courage comes from the French or the heart. So like you have to go with your heart. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you something. I, um, some things I feel I'm like, you know, swimming with the dolphins. Um, the whole startup thing is very scary. Uh, I mean, scary today, you know, it doesn't go like that fear doesn't go away. That's like one part that I don't know, maybe I should be more involved, but I don't think the fear doesn't go away. Uh, you know, it just changes. <laughs> it just becomes a different thing. So you just hope you have enough of the swimming with the dolphins feeling to counteract. Uh -huh. And you have to work on yourself, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you become, you do something so uncharted so out there without um working on yourself and i've been blessed in that sense and you too earl if you did you did the harvard course with yeah uh, yeah definitely yeah for sure yeah. so we both did this course about your true north mm -hmm. and um it's um you know really kind of uh, kind of on the life-changing path and um you know, it, like you need those kind of resources a hundred percent and you need them like sustainably. It's not just like one. Yeah. 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 One, one of the, the big lessons in this true North course is this thing called the crucible, which is 
basically like there's parts of your life that really changed you right that changed kind of your mindset your trajectory and uh you know and it, it's painful most of the time right so that's something that you kind of reflect on um but not necessarily painful but i guess uh christina like yeah tell us about like you know you know your, your early life like where did you get this courage right the courage to like go from an english degree and immerse yourself into like biosciences the courage to even start you know this uh you know this this your company the courage to go in front of investors the courage to obviously do this like world changing um kind of you know public uh, global public health initiatives like where did that come from because i think that's where a lot of people that listen to us like really try to want to find it for themselves right oh my god that's fabulous honestly that's the real question i totally agree that and then you have to find a way to get access to the world of capital and connection yep. really do but it starts with you so i was really shy as a kid um and i was probably like compared to say my sister i was kind of mediocre at school to be honest like i wasn't you know <laughs> i had been brought up and in brazil was unusual my dad had um you know was a quantum physicist had gone to MIT and he had a relative that studied with Einstein. Mm. So very unusual because Brazil scores really low in math and science. So I was in a household that was very unusual in the thinking. So my dad was like a Silicon Valley type of person in Brazil in the mountains. <laughs> so let me start there. So that gave me cool. of that limitless thinking. Like he'd met JFK in person, he'd seen Martin Luther King, because he was in the US in those years. So I had this very weird um, you know, kind of almost limitless, like right? Like how much more can you go in some ways, right? In some ways. Um, but Brazil had gotten into a real economic jam. So there was a lot of uncertainty in the 80s. There was hyperinflation like a thousand percent a month. It was very it was very dangerous. The country was, I don't know if it was a failed state, but kind of. I was born in a dictatorship, and then the first democratically elected president died the next day, you know? Like, so, you know, it was like very, um, so we left. I left with my mom to the United States, like a single mom, poor um, immigrant. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's nothing... We went to a place in Massachusetts that I think we were the poorest in the whole place. And I'm not joking. I'm not joking. This is not an exaggeration. We were the only ones without a car. I, like, I a car either. So, we were, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's called Newton, Massachusetts. It's really nice. But we oh, had a... Um, it's a fancy place. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I had an apartment. Everyone has a big house. No <laughs> car. <laughs> it's like a very proper mom place, you know. My mom had to work so much. She never could go to my school. There was no transport for her to go to my school. How about that? So it was like, it was such black and white, but I think part of me, I was a little angry because I knew like I came from very high education and my family had very high values of education and I just couldn't stand. So I had that, I had that thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I hated being poor. I really did. I just want to tell you, like I just did. Like, full stop. And I was. It's not like I think I was. No, I was. You know, I think my teacher had to give us $100 one time so we would eat. Oh, gosh. Like that. No, no, like really bad. So, I mean, you know, how do you get yourself out of that? Like, you're either going to go down. Or, you know? <laughs> like, 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 um, 
And so, and for college, I was just literally looked at my high school counselor and I was like, we don't have any money. Just give me the cheapest one. And she's like, oh no, but there's scholarships and things. And like, if you don't understand that system, you don't even know. So I went to UMass Boston and it was 1900 a semester. Hmm. That's where I went initially. Um, and so basically, um, yeah, but I wasn't even doing so well. And I was like, I might just work at Starbucks. Like it might, it was really a possibility. There was no career fair, really. There was no recruit, fancy recruiting. Um, so I kind of was like, but I had a professor, I got into the honors program there and he had these small classes and really helped kind of in the whole presentation actually, you know, and I was shy uh -huh. and I learned in America, if you learn to talk, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work everywhere, you know, it really doesn't, but it works here. Um, I, I love so, Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I could totally relate too. I mean, growing up without a car and just having to walk to school. I mean, seeing everybody in the school drive by, I was just like, oh, God, I, why is this like this? I mean, like, is this ever going to change, you know? And then um, I can also relate too, like being in college and not being uh, totally, um, you know, I, I was never that set kid who, who uh, said this is what I wanted to do. I mean, English degree, you normally people give you the flack of, oh, you're a teacher, right? Or like, is that is that um don't i mean all, all you do all you can do is read but but you've proven them wrong i mean i think i've proven them wrong I it very differently so one um um you know i did think i wanted to go into law and english is actually the best undergrad for that because you organize your your thinking and your case so that was one thing i think the humanities um all of it helped me harmonize a bit some of these dualities you know think shakespeare and like you know the like nothing is you know like you can't like there's nothing is not like our world our life's not very rational and so you need a framework that i think the humanities really offers to be able to have the 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 largeness of spirit in you to be able to put all those things at the same time like maybe you know, when we're fundraising, we get the nastiest no in the morning and a yes in the afternoon. And like, you know, so, um, so it's a, it's a way it provides a canvas to really understand, uh, life. Yeah. I, I think the, you know, my, my, my hardships, uh, really gave me a grit and like a hunger that I don't know that many people that have. Totally. That. Um, but it also gave me huge compassion because I really know what that's like, you know, like I really do. And hence, that's why I did all that service work with Planned Parenthood and um, UN, all of that, because I felt like, like there's no such thing as not doing charity or not helping. Like that doesn't exist. You know, mm -hmm. and our company is in a way a culmination of my life in the sense that it's so, you know, we think of it really serving, you know, the dog being as a best friend. Oh, okay. Yeah and really serving actually community and in my journey I used to say I want to serve those that are marginalized and voiceless I didn't mean the dog oh. <laughs> <laughs> so watch what you say you might just do it um so yeah I um I really think of it as a uh, intention and purpose and I transmit that 
uh, in my team, you know, it's hard days some days and like really we get that, you know, mission. Um, we're so, you know, we're understanding the journey of cancer and all the data points, right? We take a very data and like tech approach. So the longitudinal life, um, all of what's a like cancer patient goes through. We look at the dog, but we look at this in a translational way to humans too. Uh So it's really out there and it's very meaningful. Um, And, you know, we've had this year, 8,500 families call us because their dog has cancer. Uh And they're in tears. They are oversharing because they, you know, um, it's such a vulnerable moment. They didn't see it coming. They feel they're caretakers and guardians for a dog that doesn't speak that might be in pain. So like, it's like very, yeah. And I really think we're really like helping them, like really. Um, so all of this kind of comes into all, I always wanted to do a for good and for profit company. So that's kind of the culmination. That's amazing. One thing I was wondering is how does PhytoCure attempt to cure the cancer? Is it like a, they help, are you, you planning to help, uh, you know, create drugs or create just new medicines? Is, is that that? Is that the yeah one of so um, one we look a bit deeper as to what may be driving the cancer so that that whole landscape genomic landscape we're helping define for the dog and then seeing where where there's homology with the human so just figuring that out and then the idea is that cancer is uh, is most likely um, never going to be cured with one mono like with one therapy. It'll be more like HIV AIDS paradigm, if you recall, where one drug, HIV AIDS is a death sentence, two drugs a death sentence, uh, and then you add a certain amount of drugs and it becomes a you know, disease people live with now. So that's the transformation we want to do, and we are already working on it. So most of our patients are in combinations of drugs. So the idea that this, this will really be the paradigm, and as we evolve and we can bring in more modalities right looking at the immune system like we're, we're just going like very you know moonshot moonshot mm. no i think this is uh extremely fascinating um so we'll, we'll go kind of to the to the last segment of our of our podcast here um and you know we, we have this kind of standard set of questions but the first question really for us is, you know, if you had to summarize, we went to many different topics and got to know you a lot more. I had to summarize your own version of a startup mindset. What would that one or two sentence be? Um, I mean, definitely grit, which is like, I think the thing everyone says, but really, but I think the question is, where do you get the kind of grit from, the resilience? And so for that, you do need to have your resources. Those will probably be internal resources where you find strength, you know, you're shut down, shut down, but you still wake up and like, how do you get yourself back on your feet, you know? So you probably need those that are like just with you and then you need a community to help you. Um, I really think uh, that's, that's pretty, really kind of critical. Otherwise, yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. It's very tough in a vacuum. So I, I firmly believe. So both that I'm gonna like a bit the ambition thing, like I'm just gonna I'm gonna do <laughs> but then understanding your vulnerability also and that you have to nurture 
right? Like, how are you going to handle? Because it's not like you're not knocked down. You are knocked down. It's the standing up that's the key thing. You see what I mean? So it's not like, oh, it didn't get knocked down. No, you did. You were hurt. You, your ego is like, oh, my God, ego killer all the time. And so how do you, you know what I mean? How do you? Yeah. No, and, and I, I, that, that makes sense. And I think this insight of just resources, but not just the resources outside the community network, you know, be potentially people would support and fund you, but actually your internal resource too is something that I think, yeah, you're probably the first one to, to really bring it up is this like sense of internal, like internal balance and kind of internal motivation. So, I mean, let's bring us back into like you being kind of, you know, a student at UMass Boston, you know, 20 years old, you know, and now you are giving advice to the younger self. What will you tell her, right? Um, knowing what you've known and struggles you've had uh, since that time. Um, geez, that's a profound question because at 20 years old was probably when I was thinking I might just work at Starbucks. That might be my life, mm. really. So it was very like, I didn't really have, so I, I wouldn't even, you know, the world was seeming probably pretty far and unattainable. And maybe even more as a woman, to be honest, probably at that point, I had that a bit more like, you know, um, so um, essentially, I would give the advice of one probably would be but again, this is a context I can say now. But you know, when I do think of my parents, my mother and my father, they did give me special tools. At the time, I couldn't see it, you know, but they really did. They really did. They really had evolved thinking in ways and and very international, very global. Um, and that gives you kind of a, a, you know, largeness of mind, you know? So you have like a canvas. So I would, um, you know, I would have said, hey, Christina, look, look at where you're coming from, not just the, you know, the hardship, but actually what what is unique, what is unusual. Um, and then say that, you know, you're going to have many surprises to come. <laughs> go, go and go even faster. Go stronger. <laughs> because it's going to be, you know, very, very up and down. I don't know. That's the best one I could think of. What do usually oh. people say? No, I mean, you know, we, we had really amazing kind of insights. Some of them always say that, you know, it's going to be okay, right? Or kind of slow down um i think some people you know um i think when they're 20 they they try to want to rush right so some people are saying yeah just slow down and figure it out and it's all going to be okay right um uh, because i think when you're at that stage sometimes you freak out that life is just too complicated but you know i think when you look back people say oh, actually it's just going to be okay so you know follow what you think is right versus what other people are saying there's also some of the kind of couple of things that people say. So, yeah, I mean, but uh, I mean, I, I love what, what you said here. And uh, I think people would kind of reflect on that. Uh, Dan, any, any kind of final thoughts here? Because that's my favorite question. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I, I learned a lot about, you know, we, we need people like you who, who stand up for animals for sure. And, you know, it's not just enough to, I mean, there's certainly always more, and I think that's what I'm realizing through uh, like the business side of, you know, how you mentioned charity work and like doing things for others. 
and how you combined and married the two. Yeah, I really am. I feel strongly about that, actually. I think it's the only way to go forward. I'll tell you that. First, Having very deep in business and in nonprofit. Nonprofit, you're always depending on fundraising. It's another world of fundraising, but I don't, you know, so being able to bring the two, like the mission and yeah. having a sustainable business, I think it's, it's the only way. In fact, I think every business should be that. What, what, what's the uh, what's the best case scenario here, and if in for Fidocure and and uh, you guys uh, in, in like five years, like is it that there's a reduction in cancer rates in dogs and cats? Is is that what we're all waking up the next day and trying to solve? Is that is that it? Um, I think a couple of things. So one is um, turning uh, from, you know, just as I was giving the parallel in HIV AIDS and actually some tumor types in humans, even pediatric oncology have been turned around from that sentence to like survivability. So I think that is like kind of the, the lofty goal. And then in that, in that learning, right, we're building this like scientific learning space because we collect every data point with millions of data points of what happens in the cancer journey. And so we would want to do an impact actually that, you know, impacts humans, both sides of the leash. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That sounds really crazy. Like really, but actually we already have. So we work with public information. We worked with ASI, um, global pharma company, Japanese, and we, took um, actually a beautiful story. If you have a minute, I have a minute. Yeah. Um, they um, have a cancer drug that comes from the sea sponge in North Japan. And it's a drug that was approved for metastatic breast cancer. And they wanted to use it for sarcoma, which is an entirely different type of cancer. And, you know, we recruited some pa- dog patients, totally patients, to see, you know, like if this would be, how, how would this work? And they actually used our data to move this drug forward for the sarcoma in humans. And it's now at Mass General, so at the human clinic. So the dog data helped this drug uh, go forward. And um, it's, it's really remarkable. And we presented together at one of the world leading cancer conferences called AACR. Uh, we so it's uh, we're already doing it. It's it was a small, you know, kind of like a proof of concept, but we it's happening. So we're gonna just do it more, right? Where can so we need to know the similarities between dogs and humans, like where's similar, where's different, and then have access to tools so we can, you know, just understand. And the dog has an accelerated lifespan. So we can see things quicker, you know, so it's just a total, it's a paradigm. And um, yeah, there you go. I think that was it for this episode. Um, any last words, Christina? Or I guess those are that. How can you find out more about, you know, the company and if they want to get in touch with you? Um, Fidocure.com. Please go there. Send us a note. We are very attentive. We have a chat and they really, they don't just go somewhere. Like we're very attentive. We've actually had 8,500 phone calls with folks that came on the website. So, um, yeah, it's beautiful. And that's how we learn, right? Um, So don't hold back. Reach out to us, please. And if you want to ask to speak with me, do it. I will be get on the phone.